You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we try to answer specific questions on an individual topic, and then at the end, we bring in an expert to give you the real answers. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Uh, 2019. Uh-huh. We've podcasted, what, seven years together? Uh, it's with over, breaks over, or whatever. Over five, over five. Yeah, known each we other. Started 2013, so and yeah. known each other. That was probably the second year, so probably known each other seven or eight. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so I've podcasted, I we'll round five years ish uh, of other podcasts. Been on tons of random guest ones. Mm-hmm. Obviously, YouTube, um, live streamed, live audiences. Probably the biggest live audience was maybe 500 people. I yeah. guess as a speaker. As a musician, that's big. Yeah, these aren't like flexes. I'm just I'm leading to something. I'm leading there. I'm getting there. But you guys can still pat me on the back to make me feel good. Weird, uh, weird flex, bro. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, so yeah, live audience talking probably about 500. Live audience music. Uh, I used to play music a lot. Probably a couple thousand. Um, our podcast, what maybe a hundred thousand biggest episode uh, ever. Th- Who knows? Uh, uh yeah. Yeah. Who knows? YouTube, a couple videos I've been in, millions, uh, and this is all seven years. Uh, last week, I'm diving into this new gaming world, right? Mm-hmm. Twitch world, totally different. Like YouTube and Instagram, I feel like, especially over the years, have meshed into one. The, if you're popular on Instagram, you probably have a pretty good following on YouTube. People like your That's content yeah, often, yeah. often, not yeah. always. Some people are one or the other. Um, Twitch is shut off from the rest of the world is why I kind of like it. They're kind of in this bubble and they're kind of like the anti-hero. They're kind of like the, the, even though I went to a small school, so we didn't necessarily have these clicks, but they're kind of like the, they're kind of like the leader of the emo kids or like mm. the leader of like the, the band group or like, they're kind of just the different crowd, but still cool. Um, and some of them are nerds for sure, but. In my school, we didn't really have that. You know, we had kids that were a little more artsy and a little more jock, but we were all buddies, you know, and so I'm kind of a little bit of both too. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a totally different world in this thing. Um, shout out to my boy Gutex. Gutex is a legend in the gaming community, Street Fighter like champion, and now he coaches people how to be good at the new Street Fighters. Basically, he's a coach. Um, wow. And on Twitch, they have their own emojis and they call them emotes. Um, it's just such a weird deep world. There's so much to describe <laughs> to people that have no clue about Twitch. So Twitch is a live streaming app uh, that's mostly gaming, but now is also in real life and music and podcasts and all these different right. things, which, you know, maybe shout us on Twitter if you guys like us to eventually live stream this. We might venture into Twitch. But um, so they have these emojis that are legendary and they call them emotes. And each one um, has letters I don't that you can type in and then the emote pops up, if mm. that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Keywords or something. And and so my boy Gutex is Pog, and basically it's it's Gutex's face looking kind of excited. So Pog has basically t- and he's the most popular emote on all of Twitch. Everyone knows if you've listened to everybody, anybody out there knows Twitch. You know Pog, you know Pog, you you know Poggers, and Poggers basically means just like good or something like good happened. Okay. And I just put two and two finally that my friend is this famous ass emote. I didn't understand <laughs> it. I've used the emote. I've known what Pog is for like three, four years. And I just didn't, because it's a tiny little emote, you know? I was like, no way. And then, so Gutex is Pog. Side note. My boy Gutex got me an invite to basically one of the biggest podcasts on Twitch. Um, I don't know if you guys know Andy Milanakis. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Andy's really big on Twitch. Him and a couple of his buddies uh, do this podcast. They call it the Scuffed Podcast. Scuffed. Oh, yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah right. It just means like, you know, whatever. Just guys talking shit on whatever. Um, and so he, he basically invited me onto that thing and I didn't know what I was doing. <clears throat> I was fucking nervous as shit. And that's why I built up to what I've done in the past. And I get a little nervous before we do anything because I want to sound right. Yeah. I don't want to mumble. I don't want to sound stupid. I want my words to flow. One, it's alive. Um, maybe a little nervous. Two, you know, they're averaging 10,000 to 20,000 live viewers. Which, which is a local TV show. You know, like that's huge. Yeah. That's like yeah, yeah. probably local news in a lot of cities. Yeah. Um, three, I'm going in and I know Gutex. We're not best friends, but we've talked a lot in person. He's a member of Barbell Brigade. Talk gaming. And so we get along. Our humor similar. But now there's eight people on there. It's on the internet. It's just set up on like a Skype call. I don't know any of them. I don't know if they think I'm going to be an idiot, a douchebag. You don't want to come in. At, I don't want to come in at silent mic and just find my way, right? Like right. you don't want to be quiet, and that's my natural reaction to new situations is to observe. Mm-hmm. But then you don't want to come in all hot and heavy and be the obnoxious guy either. Right. So I'm picking these jabs, trying to get in there, uh, and it goes from like ten at night to like two in the morning. Live, we're just sitting oh there. Oh my and, god! And these guys, some of them are in Europe. I think one of the guys was in Europe. The guy who hosted it in Texas. So that's. Midnight to like four for him. Uh, and so, oh my God, I was just pointing the end of the story is just, I was insanely nervous. I don't know if we did good, bad or the other. We covered a variety of topics from, you know, the whole Chris Brown scandal going on, uh, getting sued for defamation of rape or whatever. And then, uh, all the way to, um, Twitch and their budget and how Twitch might be able to escalate production and some of these users. Um, we talked about MCNs. I guess uh, something happened. I forgot already, but something happened with the big MCN on YouTube. I don't know if they disappeared or blew up or they shut down. Yeah. And they owed a bunch of people money. Yeah, the, the one that um, uh, Furious Pete was on. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. He, yeah. I'm, that I'm was, sure he had a voice about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Yeah, I think he ultimately got paid, but it was like, uh, it was a big question mark whether yeah. anybody would get paid. No, I heard a lot of people didn't. Uh, so we talked about all that stuff and overall uh, fun experience. So I just want to shout out those guys, tell the story about how it was insane. That was probably the most nervous I've been, I don't know, maybe, maybe last eight years. 10,000 is a lot of people. Live. And Live. the chat is How long just, were you on? It's like four hours. You were on f- the four hours? I was on the whole time. Oh, my God. And you just sit there and, you know, yeah, you talk and, and there's, you know, uh, the guy Trainwreck hosts it. Uh, super nice guy. And I like him because he's just a straight shooter. Like, he's not going to bullshit you because mm-hmm. he thinks you're cool. He's not going to bullshit you because he thinks you're not cool. Like, he's just going to tell you what he thinks directly. Uh, but he's hosting it. And so he has a list of topics and he tries to carry it on. And I feel like I can carry a conversation, right? You and I can talk about uh, my cell phone. We could talk about this. Like, this is what we do for a mm-hmm. living in a way. Right, right. And so I feel confident with those things. But, yeah, live audience. Long time. People that I don't know, like I know their humor because I've seen the podcast once or twice, but I don't know if they're going to find me funny if we're going to gel. You know what I mean? So I'm just, I just felt like a little guppy thrown into a bunch of sharks. Like, fuck, here we go, you know? It was fun. It ended up being a lot of fun and a good time, but uh, talk about a different experience. Felt different. If, okay, so they, they're live. Do they, then they, do they release that anywhere? Is it just live? Just live, and then Twitch will. Um, you have the option as the channel. Uh, they record it, and so they save it as a VOD, and then you choose what you do with it. So you can leave it open and free, and it just sits there. You mm-hmm. can delete it. You can have it for just subscribers only to watch it. Um, or yeah, delete it completely. Uh, so I think they just leave it up. So it's probably it's probably on there somewhere, Trainwreck's channel. But um, 
Yeah, I don't think they put it on iTunes or anything. I think people clip it. Twitch community is like kind of trolly and like fun too, you know. Mm. So like they'll they'll like uh, clip funny parts and throw it all over YouTube and Reddit and whatever. But I don't know if as a whole if it goes anywhere. Man, that that drives me nuts. The, I, I, the idea of content produced but not yeah. released. I think it's because it's such a different world. Like I said, like they're so isolated. So like. It could get 12,000, and I'm hypothetically, like, Trainwrecks and Andy Milanakis, all these guys are super cool, super creative, mm-hmm. and worth listening to for sure. But hypothetically, it could get, like, it was we were number one on Twitch that night for a second uh, on the entire platform. But it could go to iTunes and get, like, no downloads. You know, because, like, Twitchers yeah, are Twitchers. so inside. Yeah, yeah. kind of. It, the, yeah. Some of the jokes are inside. Poggers is fucking inside. My guy Gutex, it's all kind of inside. Like, a lot of these guys don't even have Instagrams. Like, they tweet a little bit, but it, it is. It's just a different world, which is super cool. Um, speaking of content that just disappears, I, I went to see, um, Upright Citizens Brigade, a comedy show in San Francisco a couple weeks ago. Uh, show's called ASCAT. It, I mean, um, Tina Fey was part of, part of that group and Matt Besser, uh, um, guy whose name I always forget who's on Veep, uh, is one of the founders of UCB in, in LA. Uh, really, really funny, funny show. Very casual, though not not crazy. I'm used to seeing like crazy improv shows. Yeah, yeah. But this was not like that at all. Is this all. acting, or I know it's podcast related? Or are they just sitting talking through it? Uh, no, they're they're up and moving. They're up and moving. And Bobcat Goldthwait was the monologist. Okay. So like they get a suggestion from the audience, and then he monologues on that. And then when he's when he's done, then they immediately jump in and start doing scenes based on what he said. But that. That stuff is gone. Like, I mean, yeah. nobody was recording that. Yeah. That's not it, you know? And then, obviously, I deal with the comedy theater all the time here, and really funny stuff happens, and then it's done, and then nobody else gets to, to experience it, and that makes me insane. It I makes think, me sad. I think, uh, I think to make that stuff viewable, popular on YouTube, you'd need such a high production. That's the thing. Yeah, you need audio really high, and you'd probably need minimum three cameras. Yeah, you know what I mean, like because you can't just if you just showed that on YouTube, like your mom filming your high school play, just mm-hmm. one screen, like it just looks so bad on YouTube, and that's yeah. I think that's the main issue, and that's kind of the topic we talked about on the podcast, because um, obviously Andy Milanakis, for those that don't know, had a really popular show on MTV. He's done a bunch of different stuff, but basically Andy maybe was the first ever. Uh, viral interneter to become real famous mm-hmm. so he just did some bullshit on youtube or uh, maybe not even youtube at the time it might have been too early he did something on the internet mm-hmm. i think um not jimmy fallon jimmy kimmel found him came to him and i think this was jimmy kimmel of the man show days mm-hmm. literally just came up and like bro i think you're hecka funny let's go sell you to tv and mm-hmm. they made a show um so he knows a lot about production. He knows a lot about you know the process, the creative mm-hmm. process. And so that's what basically his idea for Twitch is like, man, if we could get big companies, sponsors, or Twitch to throw us money, imagine us. Um, and he was just making up random ideas left and right because he's super creative. And they were all decent. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some were better than others. But he's just like, yeah, like we just need three cameras, good audio, and we all just go out to whatever, a bar, and we just film that whole thing live with three cameras, which on Twitch, everything you do is one camera. Everything's super right. scuffed. Like it's all just ghetto. Um, but if you just had a little bit of a budget and maybe one guy working a board, mm-hmm. um, you could do a lot of things with it. And I think same thing with any um, live live comedy. Um, like even if you go watch uh, a, a, a recent Netflix 
stand up, right? And they those are fairly low budget in the scheme of things. If yeah. you compare it to a Michael Bay, Jurassic Park type deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's still higher budget. They're making sure whoever it might be, you know, Theo Vaughn or Chris D'Elia or Dave Chappelle or whoever sounding really good, Joe Rogan. Make sure they're sounding really good. And then they have what? Probably three cameras, like a close-up moving of him walking, a steady way back, maybe one of the crowd, and then maybe one from the side. And they're switching those up, you know? Because because stages are, are meant for in-person. They're not meant for cameras, really. Yeah. No, that, I think that's true. Um, fl- flashing back to what you're saying, Pogs, you, did you experience actual, number one, the drinkable Pog? At any point, All, the only pog I know is now my boy Gutex the emote, and then pogs the round styrofoam that you would slam as a kid when I was in like third grade. Okay, what we took the whole family to Hawaii a long time ago. Like um, Sam was one, and he's about to be twenty nine, so that gives you an idea. Uh, but pog is pineapple orange guava juice oh, together. That delicious. It is really sweet. It's delicious though. It's yeah. really good. And then they c- came back, and like you said, you know when my kids were. About you, you guys are similar all about the same yeah. age, yeah. Pogs, a little yeah, I remember that the the round things. I might have been a, just young. My sister was really into it. And there was a game associated with it. I don't know. It was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I think it was it, too young to understand. Some people were collecting them, and some of them, some yeah, people were. You'd play in like a trade or like you won and you I got your pogs and you never got them back and kind of shit. Yeah, kind of like yeah. marbles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, it was a newer marbles. Yeah, yeah very yeah. identical. And then and then now pog for anyone out there on Twitch, they know it's Gutex. Pog. Big Pogs. Big Pogs. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to just do a, a hard turn into muscle fiber types. And my question is this. like, Everybody who's born with a certain mixture of, of muscle fiber types that yeah. sort of naturally makes them maybe good at one kind of activity and not good at another kind of activity. Yeah, let's get real basic. We're, we're going to have Andy Graupen on, uh, Galpin, and he's going to get real fucking sciencey and, and smart. But the real basic is we got type twos, um, which tend to be explosive, powerful, strong. Yeah. Right? Think about throwing, think about jumping, think about bench pressing. Yeah. Uh, those are also the ones that tend to get bigger. So think about bodybuilding as well. They tend to look a little bit bigger. And then we have type one, um, which is more of like an endurance, more of a postural, um, and not only genetically are like Jim said, are we just predisposed, uh, to what we may have a mixture of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but each muscle group is predisposed to have more or less of them. Right. So, um, you start to think logically and you start to think like, Oh, my quads are, uh, as a human, uh, a good amount of type two, right. They're allowing me to jump. They're allowing me to sprint. They're allowing me to skip, um, my, um, transverse abdominis, right. My, or my obliques. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really fucking, you know, like jumping or twisting real quick. Those are more postural. They're more endurance. They're kind mm-hmm. of holding my spine up. They're kind of holding my stability throughout the day or movements, those might be a better mixture of type one. Um, and I know Andy in particular, that's why we're having him on, uh, straight studies. Like, like, I don't know what the exact term is, but he's like literally stabbing people, taking muscle fibers out. And, biopsies. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Biopsies. Yeah. Of, they, do, they do muscle fiber biopsies. Yeah, yeah. Of a bunch of different, uh, athletes. I know one was uh, Jordan waiters, watchers. I don't know, but she's a top level uh, Olympic lifter here in America. And I just saw a thing on, I think her Instagram or his Instagram, like him just like yoking into her thigh yeah. and then coming out with chunks of muscle. And yeah. I know he was analyzing all that, which is, I find really interesting. Um, 
typically uh, old science. Um, and these are questions we get to ask him because this is stuff I'm pretty interested in as a trainer, athlete myself, uh, is that you can grow and shrink a muscle. You can't add muscle fibers. So um, when you're doing repetitions on the bench press, years after years, you're going to build up your pecs, shoulders, and triceps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are type two. Uh, and so you're going to fatigue those, whatever. They're going to slowly build up uh, based on the stimulus you give them and the nutrients and calories you give, hopefully you eat afterwards. Um, but I think there may be science, and I don't know if this is in Andy's wheelhouse or not, um, that perhaps with performance enhancing drugs, you may be able to grow new muscle fibers now. That's an interesting idea. Which I don't know. Um, 50% th- facts. <laughs> 50% facts. A thing that it always intrigues me is just, just sort of what people's natural build looks like. And... Um, I think a lot of the time that the people that we're really impressed by are people who are, you know, like kind of hard gainers, you know, start off and they don't have a, they don't have a natural tendency to build big muscle and they put a lot of effort into it and God knows, you know, whatever else, but, uh, they end up with big slabs of muscle on a frame that was built for a different kind, different perhaps a running, type. yeah, yeah, or something. yeah. Somebody uh, like a, a, a swimmer, or a, right. um, you know, they, they were they were born to be a swimmer or a runner or something like that. They're, that that just in your mind, you think they're it's going to be a sleeker person. They don't have, they might have a lot of definition, but they don't have a ton of muscle. Yeah, those people uh, often tend to look best, in my opinion, aesthetically, yeah. though. Uh, yeah. Even though it may be a little bit longer of a journey or a bit of more uh, uh, biting and nails and uh, your way up to the top. But uh, once you get that mass on there, because you maybe have smaller joints uh, and a smaller frame in general, you tend to look a little bit more aesthetic. Um, ec- ecto, yeah, meso, endo, yeah, generally. Yeah. And but uh, people can be mixed among those, right. and some people don't subscribe to those theories at all. Yeah, I think a lot more people now are not, and that's what interests me too. And Andy may have this might be a whole other podcast and conversation, but <laughs> like possibly um, me- men- mentally, uh, what you're born and more likely to be uh, in terms of like I have a theory. I don't think I shared this on here. Maybe I have. I have a theory. Maybe we did. Uh, I have a theory that like uh, fat people or people that tend to be bigger and eat more have like better taste buds. Like my taste buds just work better. Like I've had so many friends that are skinny and they're like, oh, I don't really, I don't really like sweets. I don't really like brownies. Fuck you. I love brownies. I love sweets. <laughs> like what does that even mean? Or like they could have like one bite. And like yeah, that's enough. Like fuck you. No, I want to eat the whole thing. That's like a brain, brain taste bud deal. And I think those people obviously tend to be fatter. And does that mean that they're automatically whatever a mezzo or endo or or something totally different but i think also uh within uh can you change those things yeah um body type or not metabolism or not uh, muscle fiber or not and then uh you know genetically uh and gender wise um, yeah I, i've had a theory on that as well these are all <laughs> highly studied theories <laughs> uh this one's actually i think more valid and i've made a lot of arguments uh and, and no one's really like argued against me um just that uh generally speaking uh, and I looked up these numbers at one point, but, uh, yeah, I forgot them. But, um, genetically speaking, um, type one muscle fibers are what are going to make us a better endurance athlete, right? Marathon running to keep this super mm-hmm. plain and basic, uh, type two will make us a better shot put thrower or power lifter, mm-hmm. right? Um, guys, if you look at like the sprint record in the Olympics are all time, uh, or the squat record. And I know squat records start to get weird and all these start to get weird because of performance enhancing drugs and right. what may or may not be involved with male, female, the otherwise in any sport, uh, people point to powerlifting being so tied to drugs, but the Olympics, who knows, right? Um, 
the numbers for the best marathon time ever between male and female are pretty dang close. Um, where you compare it to the best squat of all time, um, not a lot of girls are squatting, you know, above 600. I think 600 ish is the best yeah. ever. Um, where the best guy is now 1,052, I think, in sleeves, maybe like that, yeah. t- tested. Um, point being, the muscle two type. Fibers are obviously uh, more prominent in guys, and that's when people always say, like, oh, yeah, well, guys have more upper body strength than girls and this mm-hmm. and that. Uh, it might just because we obviously have typed And this might all just be studied, too, and I just read shit and then made up my own bullshit theory. But Well, my question is, does that mixture of fiber types affect metabolism at all? Yeah, I, in my head it does. Um, again, I'm not no scientist, but in my head it does just because the met- metabolic nature of muscle uh, type 2, right, because they're bigger, they're more calorie mm-hmm. needy, and they're more calorie hungry, mm-hmm. and that's why the old thing, hopefully you guys know by now, that if you want to lose weight long term or look better, you're always going to look better and lose a little bit more weight uh, when you have more muscle. <clears throat> uh, and that's type 2, typically we're talking about, because that's what's going to grow, even though type 1 grows as well, but that's typically when you see a big jacked guy, uh, because they, they, they require more energy throughout the day. Yeah, and more oxygen and right. more everything, yeah. Blood, et cetera. For sure. I think that what you were talking about before in terms of, um, and I think feel like this is a whole other episode, yeah. is, uh, you know, appetite or whatever. But flashes back to what I was saying earlier about my wife doesn't have a great appetite and kind of never really has. Yeah. And so it's really easy for her to not eat some stuff or not eat, period. She's just, you know... She's just not hungry a lot of the yeah. time. Yeah, I've never unless, had that. Unless she's, unless she's spending a lot of time running, um, she's not that hungry. Yeah. Uh, she can't eat sweet fat in the morning. She's a pretty ever. small lady yeah. in the scheme of things. She's yeah. pretty petite. Yep. Yeah. She's she's always been under 115 pounds yeah. unless she was pregnant. She's 5'3". Yeah, I wonder if she gained a, bu- a ton of muscle, hypothetically, out of nowhere. She'll become a, a buffet monster. Um, Possibly, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, just, I feel too like... Um, uh, if you, I know that there are genetic differences in how how we taste things, whether things taste good to us. Sweets are a good example, yeah, because some people ex- experience sweets like a little bit of sweet goes a whole long way for them, and and they they'll decide this is too sweet or it's too salty or it's too whatever. Yeah, yeah. My wife is one of those sweet people. She's like, eh. and I. For me, I could I can eat sweets all day long. Yeah, I, I could mean, eat both too. And some people are always just like that one or the other. Like, oh, I'm more of a salty guy. Oh, I'm more of a sweet guy. I'm like, fuck, man, if it's good, and I could have just eaten. And you guys pour it in front of me. I'm just gonna eat it again. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe who knows my issues. Yeah. All right. Do we have any other? Um... Yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see because he's done a ton of studies. You know, the biopsies and whatever on all the different muscle fiber types. I know he's working with real time athletes nowadays. So uh, hopefully, he, he he might even bring up questions as we get into it. Um, but that's probably, the basics. I know. Yeah, probably so. I think that the part of the premise of the show is that we start with a question, but there's always other related issues that that come up out of it. So anyway, uh, Dr. Andy Kaplan. Uh, the next thing we want to talk about, I know, uh, that muscle fiber types are, um, uh, near and dear to your heart. Uh, we want to talk about if you, are you born with a particular mix and is changing that possible? And is that something that you actually want? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, all of us with anything that is inherited genetically, you're going to be inheriting a certain composition of things and, and fiber types are no different than that. Though I think the crux of the question really lies in 
how much ability do you have to change that right. in normal circumstances? So with things like exercise and nutrition, you have tremendous plasticity. The easy way to think about this is uh, your genes will, will load the gun and your genes will decide which caliber a firearm you get. Some of us get dealt a pistol and a BB gun. And some of us get get dealt an AK-47. Life but ain't fair. Your lifestyle, <laughs> yeah, but your lifestyle pulls the trigger. And so uh, somebody who has dealt a 9mm that pulls the trigger is going to do a lot more damage and be a lot more effective than someone dealt a rocket launcher who never pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. So that's the easiest way to think about it, the... Uh, one example I can give you a recent study that we published on monozygous twins. So monozygous means you are two siblings, and are in this case two brothers with the exact same DNA. Well, they were about in their mid-50s when we studied them, and the one twin had basically been sedentary since high school, so 30-some years. The other twin had not stopped competing in endurance events triathlons, half marathons, things like that. And so we had a perfect sports science study where, in fact, we had 100% control of DNA, but we had massive differences in physical activity, in this case, stretched over the course of 30-plus years. And when we biopsied them for fiber type, the untrained individual was about 50% fast twitch, 50% slow twitch. Uh, But the trained individual, again, his training was almost exclusively steady-state uh, endurance, right? cycling, jogging, and swimming, things like that. That trend was about 95% slow twitch. Wow. Does that so have to do much... with uh, size of the muscle or like how it's distributed through the body or percent of actual muscle fiber types? I don't know if that question makes sense. Uh, it, not really, but I, I think I know what you're trying to get at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's right. I'll translate bro talk. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's in this particular case, we're, we're looking at percentage. So when we looked at the, the quad muscle, the outside quad muscle, the vastus lateralis, uh, you take a biopsy and you go through all of the individual fibers in the biopsy and you figure out what percentage of those are what. So in this particular case, of the thousands of individual fibers that we looked at, about half of them were fast twitch versus the other half were slow twitch. But in the other guy, you know, if we pulled 1,000 individual fibers, 950 of those fibers were slow twitch. Gotcha. And interesting, you bring up muscle size. The twins were almost identical in terms of total muscle mass. I mean, down to the gram. Wow. Even though sedentary. Down to the gram. Uh, now, the sedentary guy had uh, an additional three or four kilos of fat, but mm. the total amount of non-fat muscle was almost identical because neither of them strength trained. Interesting. Now, also fun stuff, kind of off the fiber type, but... Uh, guess who was stronger and more powerful? <laughs> I feel like it's going to be the fatter guy. It's the untrained guy, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Who had a higher muscle quality in terms of metric there? The untrained guy. And so, to me, the conclusion regarding fiber type plasticity, I, mean, I don't know how much you're looking for, but going from 50% to 95%, like it's about as much of a change as you could possibly ask for. Uh, and so the ability to change your fiber type is basically unlimited given enough exposure. So it's all a dosing issue, right? More often and for a longer amount of time. So the more often you do a certain activity and a longer 
you do it for, the more change that happens. But just like strength training, initially, especially if you start untrained, when you first start something, you'll see big changes very quickly, but over time, the rate of increase diminishes. Mm -hmm. So there's no doubt here, right? I mean, you're not going to change your fiber type from 50% fast switch to 95% fast switch in a six-week training cycle. (laughs) I guess it's crazy. Remember, this is 30-plus years. Uh, And so you can absolutely see fiber type changes in as little as 10 days, actually, with extreme disuse. So if you, you know, were in a cast for 10 days, your fiber type will change. Would the rate of change uh, depend on kind of the uh, rocket launcher versus BB uh, type situation on how fast you can change it? Or is it more just the potential of um, growth change and what that muscle can do long term? We don't have any evidence to suggest the rate of change differs between people. We don't have any genetic markers that would indicate that. Um, You have the gene programs for any of the fiber types, so I don't think so. Um, What would change the rate, though, is how already differentiated and specified they are. Right. So that, again, trained versus, versus untrained people. You're super trained and you continue doing the same training stimulus, well, the rate of change is very slow. But if you're untrained... When you do a brand new stimulus, you're going to get super fast changes. It's going to happen extremely quickly. Uh, So you'll be much more sensitive to that. So does that um, suggest then that you should be changing things up more often? Or does that actually have an impact? So it comes back to actually, I would answer the same way I answer the intermittent fasting stuff, which is, it depends on context. Uh, what, What are you doing? If, you know, are you are you still in the exact same sport? Are you not a sport person at all? Uh, how long have you been doing it for? You're talking 20 plus years of doing the same type of lifting. Well, yeah, I probably suggest you should. Do, like, it just depends on what you're looking to get or get. So, uh, I don't think we can say that. I would say, uh, in some circumstances, maybe I'll give you an example. If you're uh, if you lift for the sake of just kind of be as aesthetically pleasing as possible. In other words, like the only reason you work out is you just want to look good physically. But you've been doing the same sort of training style, the same rep range, the same type of lift, the same tempo lift, the same, you know, handful of 15 or 20 different exercises. Then your fiber type will probably be fairly stabilized. And that to me is a good example of an indica- of a place where, yeah, you probably should introduce some variety uh, because you're going to be fairly stable there for a reason. Um, but if you are, you know, a professional athlete to uh, say you're a, a high jumper, well, you, you may want to specify into as far down that area as possible because uh, adding a little bit more slow twitch to your, in this case, uh, to your mosaic may not be that's something that's actually helpful. So it kind of depends what, what you're trying to do with it. Is there a difference between energy requirements from one muscle type to the other? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, it's also a function of size a little bit, but yeah, uh, there's a reason that you lose fast switch fibers when you age. They're much more metabolically demanding. Mm. Uh, they use different metabolic processes. So a slow twitch fiber will be much more efficient at using fat as a fuel, while a fast switch fiber is much more efficient at using carbohydrates as a fuel, uh, and this, the extremely fast fibers, um, those things don't stay around for very long either. So 
those things were very sensitive to energy demands. Is that no kind doubt. of yeah, most definitely. Is that kind of why uh, you know the extreme uh, fast twitch? Why most athletes, whether it be Olympic weightlifting, basketball, people dunking, all those type of things, start to maybe deteriorate a little around uh, mid twenties, early twenties? That kind of idea. Well, now this is this is actually a really sneaky smart question. Uh, I don't know if you're smart or just got lucky, but good job. Half and He's half. Both yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit of both. Fifty percent. So. Oh, it just said smart, man. Come on. <laughs> Uh, no, so actually, I'm sure you guys may be aware of this or not. If you look at the world records in, across different anaerobic sports, uh, and say we compared uh, the fastest 100-meter sprinters compared to uh, powerlifting, right? Mm. Uh, let's see if you can, I'm going to quiz you guys. Let's see if you can get it right. Powerlifting's hard, though, because you've got a lot of PEDs involved. <laughs> oh, oh, there's no PEDs involved in track and field? I think, I think the amounts are less. Dosages, probably. <laughs> Pro- probably, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter. All right, continue. Okay. You can pick other examples. And it would work. I'm just kidding. Okay. okay, so if you look at the age one, so obviously the fastest people in the world and the strongest powerlifters in the world are going to be in that 20 years old to 35 year old range, typically, right? Somewhere. But now we have masters, and we have all these other age categories. So who loses performance sooner? as they age, uh, the, the pure strength athlete or the speed athlete. In other words, do you lose speed sooner or do you lose strength sooner? Are we kicking out all like, uh, external factors? Not all uh, external factors. I just mean that like, uh, powerlifting, I feel like people run from whatever age three until the rest of their life. So the specificity of the sport, people practice it longer where someone might pick up powerlifting at 35 and then be, be their best ever at 40. Yeah, it, it won't change the answer. So, again, uh-huh. just look at the, the, the maximal ability. So, look at the record. So, in other words, what I'm saying is uh, compare, let's say, the world record uh, of any age, the world record ever for the squat is 1,000 pounds, okay, just to make the math really easy. Yeah, yeah. And the world record uh, of a 45-year-old, so the strongest 45-year-old ever is 750. Right, right, so, right. Mm-hmm. And at, uh, the world record for any 65-year-old is 500 pounds. Okay, so that's okay. the rate of decrease with aging went from 1,750 to 550. I would say... So uh, the question is, yeah, yeah. would the rate of decrease over time go faster? Uh, in other words, if you compared... So the 45-year-old record for powerlifting was 75% of the best ever. So with sprinting, it, would that be 75%? Would it be higher than 75% or would it be lower Without digging deep into my head, I'm saying speed is going to decrease. It's going to decrease sooner. Uh, yeah, faster. Okay, what's what's your your vote? There's one vote. Um, I'm gonna go strength. Then we'll go we'll go fifty fifty on this one. Someone's got to be right. Yeah. Well, you're both wrong. <laughs> no, no, it's it's it's, it's easily it, without question it's speed. So you lose speed a lot sooner than we lose strength. In fact, this is exactly what you were bringing up. You can still compete in strength-based sports reasonably well uh, in your 30s and 40s, but mm-hmm. you're never going to see somebody in the Olympic finals who's 40 plus. Yeah, and even meter dash. even closer together is um, a trickier question. Might be Olympic weightlifting versus powerlifting. Some of the past powerlifters in the world are 40, 45. Um, Ricks right. uh, in the USAPL has been squatting 600 for 20 years, yeah. uh, where Olympic weightlifters start to teeter out, you know, mid-20s even. Yeah, I mean, you see some 
people on the platform at World Championship, like 38, 40, 41, but it's very rare. Yeah. Then, Not very rare. It, it's pretty damn rare. Then the PEDs might be in the conversation. <laughs> that too, yeah. Well, yeah, actually, I don't know if you heard this week, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, from 2017 Worlds, Anaheim, and weightlifting. Uh, I'm sure you guys know Maddie Rogers. Yep. Yeah. So she got bronze in the snatch, clean, and jerk, and total, and it just came out this week. Uh, the girl from Albania who got silver uh, just got popped from that sample. So Maddie just got moved up to silver huh. from 2017. And that lady, I think, was 38, 39 years old, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, not surprising. She, she's contesting it. I, I don't know. She might be totally innocent. I don't know. I'm not going to make accusations, but it's the story well, so I just brought it up. Well, it's, yeah. So she, 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 her actual defense was pretty funny. I don't know if you guys followed the case, but her defense was, it's a giant conspiracy to get America another medal. So, okay. not the defense I probably would have brought up to my IOC hearing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, start pointing fingers. Sorry, no, no problem. Well, I came had to defend the territory. <laughs> I hate when that so, happens. Anyway, um, back to the original point. Even in young people, if you take a little bit of time off, strength is much more stable relative to speed. So, speed. Uh, and fine-tuned motor control. This is why if you take a couple of weeks off, take a month off of squatting. Mm-hmm. If you didn't squat for a month, but you did accessory work and you did other stuff, uh, you come back to squatting, you just feel like, God, you just wouldn't feel good anymore. You wouldn't, like, you wouldn't feel in your groove, but you probably wouldn't lose more than a, you know, 8% or two of strength. Speed is different, though. If you go a month without doing anything fast, I don't care what you do. If you come back, you're going to be slower. It, it's just far more transient. So um, probably, that's why I said this is a good question. Um, What fiber types have to do with that? We're not entirely sure because obviously fiber types determine a lot of muscle function, but there's a reason we call them fast twitch versus slow twitch. And we have done a number of studies in our laboratory showing fiber type per se, and specifically like the number of fast fibers you have, doesn't necessarily separate strong people. So if you went to a powerlifting meet, and I biopsied everybody. In fact, we did this at World Championships uh, for weightlifting. Um, you know, everybody in the, in the final flight, in, you know, the group of 10, it's not going to be like, well, number one had more fast twitch, number two had a little bit less. Mm. You wouldn't be able to differentiate strength based on fiber type. Having said that, I mean, we call them not like, you know, strong twitch. We call them fast twitch. And that's because uh, the little bit of evidence we do have suggests fiber types will determine the speed of contraction far more than it will strengthen. So you might actually differentiate people's speed based on their fiber type. And so when you lose speed over time and by age, that might actually be uh, explained by loss of the fat switch. Strength, not so much. And the primary reason why, because I know you're wondering why, is a component of strength is also cross-sectional area or size. Right. Would the complexity so, of the activity play a role as well, potentially? Most definitely, 100%. Uh, and we also have to consider um, movement is not only determined by muscle fiber type. You have to consider neurological. Yeah. You have to consider biomechanics. You have to consider tendon and transfer of force through connective tissue. So I, I, just don't, I think you have more ways to be strong than you have ways to be fast. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's it? why powerlifting's for everybody else. Right. If you suck at everything, just come powerlift. <laughs> right. Well, so the thing like powerlifting is, uh, it's actually a trick. 
because, for example, if, if we were to do your 40-yard dash time, you can't shorten the distance. Like, you can't develop any tricks to change how fast you get there other than moving faster. Well, with powerlifting, you can, right? You can change the length of, of distance you have to move the barbell by adjusting your grip, changing your stance. So the number could go up, but you might not actually physically be any stronger. But the number on the bar went up because you're more consistent, you change some technique thing. Uh, you know, you change the physical amount of distance the bar had to travel by arching harder, et cetera, et cetera, right, or whatever you're going to do. So you can actually play a game a little bit. Powerlifting, not per se, is exactly a metric of just because your bench went up, you may or may not have gotten actually stronger. You just may have tricked the bar into getting up better, which so, obviously there's a huge relationship there, like a 95 or something percent relationship, but it's not 100 at this point. You just get better at lifting. As opposed yeah, to stronger. Sure. I mean, yeah. yeah, you're more specific to that area and, you know, you learn how to get the minimum depth possible to get your green, your white lights and mm. grab your fake trophy, go home and eat a <laughs> cup of ice cream and go today. Retire. A cup of ice cream. Uh, about, a gallon, gallon and a half. Gallon, yeah. pizza. Three Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> there you go. So you don't sound like any power lifter I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be skinny. I want to pretend like I'm a yeah. real athlete. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know about you guys, but I think we could probably do a 12-part series on this particular topic. But that seems like a pretty good place to wrap up. Where can people find you, Andy? Yeah, you can, uh, if you want to follow along with all of my latest breaking research and other musings I find interesting in the world of human performance and science stuff, social media, probably Twitter uh, and Instagram, the best at you know, Dr. Andy Galpin, Dr. Andy Galpin, I. I am horrendous at checking messages and absolutely pathetic at checking Facebook. <laughs> so you can follow up, but good luck of getting a friend request through. Or, yeah, do or people still use Facebook? A, That's my question. I, 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 I mean, it's on there, and I kind of have everything linked, so it goes from one to, to the Facebook page, but I don't interact much on there. Yeah, I, I find myself uh, using it less and less over time. Well, anyway, thank and you. And honestly, for- like... I, I gave up on Facebook a long time ago. Just like, it's too much, man. Like you get a, like somebody goes to my website and leaves me an email on my website and then somebody tries to send a Twitter message and then someone else like tags you on Instagram. I'm like, fuck man, like (laughs) too much. Like it's just everywhere. Like, no, like no. And then cars, like they get a hold of my email address. I'm just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So like something had to go and, you know, a lot went, let me put it that way. I totally understand that. Uh, you want to get my attention? You really want to get my attention? Go to my Patreon page. Deposit <laughs> something in the account. PayPal I'll talks. I'll notice that one. I, I answer all PayPal <laughs> messages only. Yeah, for sure. Like, I notice when I, oh, you got a new contributor to Patreon. Oh, okay, I noticed that one. <laughs> uh, another dude sends me a random DM about how much they should be eating a Collagen a day, yeah, yeah, probably not gonna answer that. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, we 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 get some of that stuff ourselves, and we don't oh consider ourselves to be experts Dude, at all. So, do you um, you guys know Brett Contreras, right? Yeah. Dude, he was telling the day he spends he literally he allocates two hours a night to answering direct messages on Instagram. Yeah, I've I've answered every single Instagram DM since I started seven years ago. 
I wake up every morning. I go through my emails. Uh, Are you counting one um, emoji as an answer? Because sometimes, I do. sometimes it's an emoji, or sometimes it's just a like if someone's yeah. saying something silly or commenting back. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I yeah. wake up. I have whatever amount of hours it takes me to do my emails. I have whatever amount of hours it takes me to do DMs, and then I'm on on to what I want to do. The the ones I don't answer immediately are the ones I have no clue how to answer, or or the answer wouldn't be. Something they were happy to Yeah, hear. I'm not writing them an essay always. Yeah. I'm not giving them a full program, but if a guy's asking a bench press tip, I might try to help him. But if it was starting to take two hours a day, I would certainly um, uh, not do that. I yeah, know. I mean, there's no way. I, I, I'm probably like 95% response rate or something. I'm pretty good at it. You just you have to ask me a question that's answerable. Yeah, right. yeah, for sure. Like th- th- That's the thing. It can't be 17 questions in a DM on Instagram. Or, or or like, like a five-page essay. Like, come on, buddy. I'm not trying to read your whole life just to answer, you know, how to fix your squat real quick. Yeah, like, just I, I, I don't need I mean, you got yeah. – here's a good rule of thumb. Like, if I can answer it on the spot with, with no thing at all, you, you're likely. But if I have to look at it and come back and go, okay, fuck. Let me, let me yeah. think to this. Hold, stop what I'm doing. Then my likelihood of just being like, I, I can't do this, man. Like, basically, I need to be able to answer it with 10 words or less. Yeah. Or, or an emoji. Like, if I can do that, like, yes, no, or looking good, uh, you're probably, like, 97% chance of getting an answer. If it's going to take me a, a paragraph or more, um, it's, un- it's unlikely. Yeah, I, I feel you. And uh, you probably are considering whether people are, like, hanging uh, a whole lot on the answer that they get, too. Like, just, it's like oh, quoting you sure. other places. And yeah. We don't oh, have that 100%. problem so much. Oh yeah, hundred percent. There's definitely people. I, I've had happen multiple times where I'm like, I know what you're trying to do here. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> we just have to be but careful. Man, I, I actually I have done that a whole number of times, and I find it quite funny. And it's like, you think I should do? And then they list a hundred things that are all contrary, and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> like you should definitely, definitely go 28 days without eating. Uh-huh. Yeah, Definitely. one rep max back idea. squat than the 29th. Mm-hmm. Like, come on now. I will. So what do you think I should do? Like, should I eat intermittent fasting and eat seven times a day? Yes. Yes. You didn't answer my question. You didn't ask me a fucking question. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will freely admit to having... Um, uh, set up and shot exercises uh, for video for YouTube that were not things that actually really happened routinely in, <laughs> in the gym, just to see if they would catch on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, I, I, I really saw video now. of you doing bosu ball curls somewhere. <laughs> and on that note, thanks again to Dr. Andy Galpin for being our expert on this episode. Uh, you can find me on social media, the Jim McD everywhere. You can find Mike silent, Mike with two K's everywhere. The show is 50% facts, five, zero percent facts on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes or the platform of your choice. We definitely appreciate that. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.